0: Esports has evolved from its humble beginnings. It's become an enormous industry, with hundreds of thousands of young people dreaming of reaching the top. And just like any other traditional sport, to reach the top, you have to optimise your performance. Taking care of your physical and mental health is one of the components to achieve this. At Flytro we're developing our app to assist players in realising their potential to become the best player they can be. Welcome to another episode of the FlyTro podcast. Joining me today is a member of the advisory board here at FlyTro and esports OG, Michael O'Dell, better known in the gaming world as Odie. You've been active, Odie, in esports for the better part of two decades now, and probably best known as the founder of UK organization Dignitas, which you started back in 2003. Later that was acquired by the NBA franchise, Philadelphia 76ers? Yep. In 2016, I believe, um, which was one of, if not the first acquisition of an esports team by, by a prominent traditional sports company, but now you're the managing director of, um, London Royal Ravens, which is the official call of duty league franchise team in the UK and chief gaming officer of its parent company, Rekt Global, who also owns the well-known team Rogue in North America. But let's talk about how the landscape has changed and the observations you will have been witness to over the last 15 or so years.
1: Oh, yeah, It's changed a lot. Well, 21 years I've been in esports, so I've seen almost everything. Yeah. Good and bad. So
0: if we go back to the early days of Dignitas, that was really your first real leap into competitive gaming, was it? Or were you already participating in competitive gaming at that stage
1: oh i won my first tournament in 1999 in june Newcomb. <laughs> and that was a fun not for the kids game but i used to play that on a service called wireplay yeah then quake three came out that year along with counter-strike well it was half-life and uh, counter-strike was a mod that came out of that at the same time luckily i played quake first and i went on to compete in that playing for the national team I also hosted the first European Championships for Quake 3, CTF, um, which was amusing trying to get all of those countries together. And we got everyone from Iceland to Turkey playing.
0: And just to give context to that, you know, this is way before social media and it's much easier to organize these kind of things nowadays. But back then, with trying to organize a a setup uh, online on that scale, was probably a lot more work than one would realize that is right now
1: yeah basically esports and it wasn't called esports then i don't know one knows where that term even came from um Basically, everything was run on something called IRC, which is Internet Relay Chat, which is uh, something that allowed you to connect to chat rooms, create chat rooms, uh, which turned into basically team channels or game channels, and all the people interested were in those channels. And that's kind of how you ran organized matches and stuff like that. So, yeah, so uh, I miss IRC. I was was in there quite a lot. Um, Then after after, uh, Quake... I kind of dabbled into Return to Castle Return to Castle Wolfenstein. Played for a thing called Lemons in that, wow. um, and then um, at the end of Quake, I was I was playing for like three or four games, really high level. Uh, but I just couldn't see any money coming from it and at that time. We just had our first child. Uh, I had a full time job, and I was trying to do this. Like I wanted to do this as a living as a player. I came too early, that's for sure. Yeah, I just couldn't see it happening in Quake Three. Um so Battlefield came out and I thought, right, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna be the best in the world at this game. So I created a UK team. We weren't that good. Took the two best players and me and we approached the best team that we thought were in Europe, a team called L C D. And we joined them because the game was you had to have it was either A V eight or ten V ten. Sometimes we played twelve V twelve tournaments in Battlefield forty two. so we found another team called companix who mainly swedish um, and they were having player troubles not enough players and we had the same problem so we merged and that created team dignitas in 2003 yeah so it was purely just to play and win tournaments that's why we created it we didn't create it to become a company or um go on to do what we we did we just wanted to beat everybody else, Yeah, which we did.
0: And at what point did you start to bring on multiple teams and transform Dignitas into what was we used to call it back then, multi-gaming organizations, didn't we?
1: Yeah, well, it, it, was, it was probably uh, thanks to SK Gaming that Dignitas went the way it did. Um, so we were the best in the world at uh, Battlefield 42. We knew that. We played the Americans on Icelandic servers and beat them. And basically we approached SK Gaming and said, look, we're the best in the world. We want to join you. And they said, no, we're not interested in small games. So we kind of went, all right, okay, we'll do it ourselves then. <laughs> so that's kind of goes the idea to uh, bring in enemy territory, the best team in the world in that, and Call of Duty when we had the best team in the world in that. Yeah. Um, and that's how we grew. My
0: memories of Dignitas used to have um, some pretty good uh warcraft players i think oh was it pure ball
1: yeah marty yeah marty played for us
0: yeah and then you had the i remember playing against you guys in the original version of call of duty just as call of duty one started to die out counter-strike source came into the into the mix so a lot of call of duty players jumped over to counter-strike source along with you know some 1.6s CS Source was probably one of your entries in, into Counter-Strike in a big way at that point,
1: right? Yeah, like we, we always decided, like we missed Counter-Strike, the original game. Um, We, we also missed StarCraft, the original game, like the entry. So we thought we'd go into Source. So I think the first team we had was Norwegian, I think. Yeah. And they weren't that great. They were okay. And we never really got going in Counter Strike ever, I don't think, until like latter like the last couple of years of my time at Dignitas. Yeah, with the Danes. Yeah, with Australis. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. As you sort of got to the last couple of years at Dignitas, I understand that you wanted to get more involved with the with the happenings of esports teams and pretty much all the things you were just talking about from the early days of Dignitas. So you moved over to Rect Global, who are obviously the uh, owners of Rogue and uh, owners of the UK franchise of, of the COD League, which is Royal Ravens. So talk to me about, um, about what you're doing there at the moment.
1: Um, so, well, yeah, so I left Dig, and literally 36 hours later, I signed a contract with Wrecked, <laughs> which is yeah. pretty cool. I had so many offers so quickly, it was mad. So yeah, so basically I came in as Chief Gaming Officer, and one of the things, straight away they asked me, like, well, what, what do you want to do, what, what should we do? And I said, well, Call of Duty will be cool, doesn't it, look like, Cloud9 have taken up their option on our franchise as they uh, had the Overwatch, um... sorry, I said, stop, stop barking, as they have the Overwatch slot in the UK, so I said, uh, if we could get that slot, I think it will be pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and they decided that's that was a good option. Um so we went for it. Yeah, so that was literally four weeks into actually joining. Just kinda of mad.
0: It must have been quite difficult leaving Dignitas uh from an emotional perspective.
1: Um you would think that, um, but after two and a half years after the sale, um, it just wasn't where I expected it to be for me. Um yeah. so no, it wasn't it wasn't that emotional. It was like I I need to go do something else.
0: You're just sort of ready to undertake the next journey in your gaming and esports career, essentially.
1: Yeah. Yeah, which is a shame because uh, the reason I, I went the route I did was I wanted to see it grow and get bigger, um, which it has and it will, but unfortunately not with me there.
0: I think it indirectly influenced, in a big way, non-traditional gaming companies coming into esports and having the confidence to invest in bigger esports teams.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, we were the first, definitely, and that was the case. Um yeah, let's, let's see where it goes. But right now I'm with Wrecked, uh, and hopefully for a long, long time because it's exactly what I needed. Not many people know much about Wrecked. Um, it's not just the two franchises. So we have the League of Legends team in LEC based in Berlin. We've got the Ravens. We've got traditional esports games. We've got Rocket League and Rainbow Six at the moment. But we also have a marketing services company. We also have a content services company and a fan engagement company. And we're acquiring another company at the moment. So they have a whole package of like stuff that we can offer to anybody around the eSports space. So uh, one of the companies we own is called Greenlit. Um, so I don't, I don't know if you've seen the Team Star uh, Warzone Wednesdays. Um, no, that's not personally, one of the but... things. That we, that's one of the things that we produce, and that's getting massive viewership weekly at the moment.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: And um, we just produce some some stuff for Facebook and ESPN. Um, so there's there's so much more that we are compared to just a normal esports team. Yeah,
0: and that's all under the umbrella of Rekt Global. Yes. Brilliant. Let's talk about then the health and wellness sides of esports. One of the issues I find right now is that there's a lot of teams who want to invest in player wellness. You know, increasing the longevity and lifespan of that player's career.
1: I see it coming in more and more. So our our LEC team, we have a performance coach who's um, close to finishing his. Doctorate in sports psychology in Berlin. So over the years, I've just seen like what it's like to actually play at this level and the pressure that these players are under. So getting them help when they need it is extremely important. So I see it getting bigger and progressing as we move along. But there's still not enough case studies really in esports around this, and not enough, literally not enough studies at all on on this this kind of stuff. So before esports, for me, I used to play a lot of sport from american football with the london olympians the football which is how i got into esports because i snapped my cruciate ligament Ouch. in 99 and that, yeah so that i kind of sucked and that's how i got into esports so i know do you think
0: your american football career would have been as successful as your esports career
1: um well i played for well, i played in a national final so possibly yeah possibly yeah. um and yeah, but actually, no, no. I've done so well in sports, um, and transitioning from a player to player, coach to coach to like management, and then like oh, what's the best way to describe me at the minute? Kind of director of football. Uh, that that bloke, nobody knows what he really does, but he's pulling all the strings. Um, <laughs> it's it's uh, it's it's interesting. Um, but knowing what it's like to play at that level in sport and that level in esports must have had crossovers oh definitely uh, it's, it's it's in life you get the same things you get in sport mental blocks on particular teams players venues down to like what's happening in real life that affects players and that really is a thing and not many people think about that in eSports at all Um, so if someone's just had a massive argument with their girlfriend just before an important match yeah that's going to affect them it always does Um, so having people around um, our teams moving forward is going to be really important to actually make sure that their health and mental health is kind of looked after I'm a massive fan of like physical exercise like getting players to the gym even the ones that don't want to go trying to coax them in because i know being fit helps you play there's no doubt about that yeah certainly being mentally fit as well at the same time it helps you
0: there's so many overlaps as well isn't it? by being physically fit there is overlaps with that improving your mental well-being and your mental fitness and then that all has overlaps with sleep quality of sleep so they all yep. start to fit together like a
1: jigsaw yeah it's like our call of duty team when they joined us um I, I always like trying to test the mentality of players instantly by Saying things, doing things that will like get a what the hell reaction from them. Uh, so one of the things I did with this this group was, uh, yeah, when you're sleeping ten hours a day, and they all looked at me and they went, "Yeah, you're 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 having a laugh." <laughs> Are you mad? <laughs> yeah, um, I wasn't joking, and it's still hard to get them to do that because they don't switch off. Yeah, one really cool thing about Rec Global is the investors we have. Uh, so we have a lot of celebrity investors and sports stars that invest. So whilst this lockdown's on, uh, from COVID-19, we've been playing Call of Duty with. Quite a few of them, and to name name drop some because they are investors as well. Rudy Gobert from the NBA. Yeah. We were playing Landon uh, with Landon Collins, Washington Redskins defensive back last night. Wow. Taylor Fritz, the number one ranked American player at the moment in tennis. We've been playing with them. Yeah. Uh, And a couple of DJs, Steve Steve Aoki and uh, Nicky Romero, uh, which is kind of nuts. Yeah. But they need that support as well because they should be out training but they can't do that in their sports.
0: Yeah, well their whole, you know, their whole uh, whole world's just changed literally overnight, hasn't it? They're so used to going to and from training academies and My knowledge of that is best served from following Liverpool Football Club and seeing what the players are doing on a daily basis through social media. And and right now, all of that's just stopped, hasn't it? So I guess they're uh, trying to maintain positivity in the best ways they can and keep active, not just in physical activity, but engaged in some kind of activity full stop.
1: Yeah, it is really important. I think they were surprised at how much our trainers actually train we haven't stopped we're training even though we're we can't use our training facility in north carolina at the moment the guys are in their apartments but we're still doing scrims yeah i think they were actually surprised at how many hours we actually do scrim every day yeah yeah that's really interesting
0: nowadays it seems like there's a lot of younger people investing and there's uh, sports personalities and celebrities investing do you think that that's had a direct impact on the sorts of topics that we're discussing regarding health and wellness.
1: I think it's inevitable that it probably has. I think not still not enough yet. But probably has, yeah. But the more investment that's coming and the more uh you interact with these groups that are around that kind of money, they have access to so many things and you can just ask for help to get to it a lot quicker than a a normal eSports team with no investors. Yeah. It's kind of mind-blowing, the, the world of investment, once you start seeing it like I have the last few years. It's it's just, it's mad. Absolutely mad.
0: Yeah, like you say, it seems like 100 Thieves that seem to come out of nowhere very quickly, and then, you know, the facilities they've just sort of showcased recently are just look wonderful.
1: Yeah, we haven't even showed ours off yet. It's annoying, because we just finished it, and then lockdown happened. Um, so it's... <laughs> <laughs> so we haven't done the video good yet
0: good things come to those who wait
1: yeah because we could going send the we were just about to send a whole like media crew to the facility to get all of this stuff done all this content and then it, it locked happened and we were like nah everybody stay where you are so we haven't actually showed off ours yet Oh no.
0: Are you able to tell us anything about uh, what you've got there, or is it all sort of? Um...
1: There is, there is. It's got stellar artoir on tap in the in the kitchen. That's for sure. Not for the players, but for when we have uh, guests visiting, obviously. <laughs>
0: well, I'll be looking forward to joining you there then.
1: Yeah, it's uh, no, it's really good. It's um, fully kitted out. It's just all just all been decked out in ravens branding and our sponsors uh new sponsor for that facility that we haven't shouted about yet it's just really cool it's just it's down the road from where the guys live and it's just the the internet is ridiculous i think it was like one gig like one gig or something stupid
0: i spent most of my adult life on about three (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah, my parents place
1: yeah i'm on nine megabytes at the moment in my house and i was because of COVID, I, I just was—they just put fiber in like a month ago, in March, and I ordered it. And eighth of May, eighth of April, it's supposed to be put in, and the guy knocked on the door and said, "Yeah, I can't come in." Oh no! <laughs> so the cable's outside the front door. I can't have the internet. That's tragic. So yeah, so our facility's really, really good. So uh, yeah, the guys will spend a lot of time there. Uh, his kitchen there and uh, chill out areas, offices. Let's chat about
0: what the players endure. Because you're the Ravens is the UK team. But you were talking about North Carolina. So are they based over there full time?
1: Yeah. So we decided that we could have st- we could have based them in London, but we wouldn't be able to practice with the other teams because of latency. Right. So we decided to base in North Carolina, which is a direct flight from London, and then uh, we can practice with all the other teams. Paris have done the same. Uh, and then as the league grows and franchises appear, uh, the goal ultimately is to get the team back in London uh, at some point in the future.
0: Do you think that the franchise will grow to the point where we see more than one division? There'll be an NA division, an EU division, maybe. a
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I do, yeah, because it just makes it easier. Uh, the difference between League of Legends and Call of Duty is all of our events are in stadiums. When it's obviously when COVID's gone. Um, so yeah. we have homestands, so the teams have to fly to us. Uh so the traveling in this league, uh, it's every two weeks. Um and but you have to travel quite a way, uh which the guys don't mind. Yeah, this
0: franchise seems like it's uh or this type of franchise seems like it's really trying to promote a a sense of ownership to the fans. Uh that sense of ownership that we have as traditional sports fans in the UK, you know, being a lad from from Liverpool, you know, I have that connection with Liverpool Football Club, so it seems like this, you know, connection with with the Ravens should be one for British fans
1: in that sense. Yeah, and that's what we wanted. Yeah, that's what we, we set out to do. Um, it turned out we didn't plan it, that all of our players turned out uh, being British or Irish. We've got one from each country.
0: Well represented across the UK. And, and
1: yeah. And the, and the home stand we did in February, the, the crowd was nuts. Definitely the best crowd I've seen in the league. Extreme, it was like, it was a bit like a cross between a darts and a football match. It was really good.
0: I absolutely love the darts. <laughs> yeah, it, the atmosphere in there is, is, is not like anything that I've ever been to in terms of a sports event.
1: Uh, it's very similar to Call of Duty in London. It was noisy, there were people dressed up as Ravens. There were, obviously, uh, the crowd were behind us, so they were singing songs at the other team, winding them up. It's quite funny. It's really good atmosphere.
0: Yeah, it sounds it. Okay, so you based the team out in North Carolina, obviously, for latency issues, but obviously that means that their sleep schedules are aligned with other players and teams. Yeah. I guess straight away, that's going to eliminate some bad habits or bad sleeping schedules and things like that.
1: You would think so, but they, these guys are... Uh between 18 and 24 and yeah some of them stay up too late and wake up too late i think that's just normal we give them times that they have to be on warming up before we practice and then we tell them and remind them they gotta eat and do stuff like normal people do because yeah. a lot of the time they forget because they're playing too much
0: i think as also we forget that I'm drawing sort of parallels to traditional sports here, but this level of professionalism in say football in Or to the American people listening, soccer, those athletes, they're roughly the same age as the athletes that are competing in esports, aren't they? So I guess there's that transitional phase that we're going through. And as more organizations pick up on health and wellness, that hopefully those attitudes towards sleep and training and fitness and diets all start to shift in positive ways.
1: Yeah, and I think they will. It's inevitable. Tell me about
0: your own personal health and wellbeing. Are you um, a good sleeper? Are you getting out and exercising regardless of COVID? What does your day to day look like so that you are in the best shape and mind frame to do what you need to do every day?
1: <laughs> well, mind frame, I'm I'm good. Sleep as soon as I sleep, I'm gone, and then you have to wake me up. Like pushing me or something. So I've got no problems there. Because of my injury, and it's always been hard for me to exercise like I used to. So yeah, I'm bigger than I should be. Uh, I actually have a gym at home. I haven't been in it today, but I've been in it the last (laughs) few days. So got no excuses there.
0: I used to go to the gym a lot, and that was one of my things. And I was like that for a sort of... Three or four years, and then some lifestyle changes happened, and now I prefer to do yoga. I like the mindset that it gets me in, and the time I take to myself. It has a lot of similarities to the same kind of um, feelings that I have when I was in the gym, except I'm not lifting massive weights like huh. I used to. So it's not as tiring physically, but you still feel worked out after doing yoga. So I I like
1: that. I have a full gym. I decided to do that at the end of last year, so I did. And my daughters drag me in there. When I'm on the computer too long, they'll tell me to go in there with them.
0: That's some motivation right there as well, isn't it? You know, When you've got family members dragging you into the yeah, gym. Yeah,
1: I get bored in gym, so it was that thing with the, the screen on, which I won't mention who they are. I thought to myself, hang on, if I just put a telly in there and I can watch Netflix whilst I'm doing this, I might be interested. So I did. So I put a telly (laughs) and hooked up the internet to the garage where the gym is. So if I go in there, I can watch Netflix. Brilliant.
0: Some of my friends were part of the, if I go back to the Dignitas days, were were part of the Counter-Strike Source team. I always remember hearing good things about you from them you're always someone that could be approached and player management was very on point you know having someone approachable uh, that you work for in both a professional environment and in a sports professional environment i think is uh, a good thing to have to have someone that you can go and talk to if you've got problems do you have that same kind of connection with the players uh, at Royal Ravens?
1: Uh, I think the majority, yes. Um, people are all all different. Some people won't open up like that easily. It was quite cool because we got to go to Saudi Arabia at the end of last year with quite a few of the team, so I got to know them quite quickly. Wow. Yeah, and they know what I've done uh, in eSports. And- All my players hear me. I'm like, granddad now, fools and horses. It's like, yeah, during the war. (laughs) But yeah, I used to win. I used to be a tournament. I I won championships and world championships. Back in
0: my day when we had IRC.
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So I think, yeah, it's it's just the way I've always managed. I need to deal with the people, especially in teams. They've got to have the same thinking, and it's really important for me to make sure I align the thinking of teams. If I do it through talking to players or manipulating coaches or management to get that point across to the players I want in drilled into them, yeah. then that's 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 how we win tournaments.
0: I think it's easy for younger players coming into these organizations to forget that you are or were exactly like they were. You know, you were the same kind of young you know, competitive person that had a passion for computer games and you happen to be very good at them. And I guess for younger players that come into Orgs, they just look at the sort of OGs or the older guys and they just think, well, he looks like my dad. (laughs) And my dad doesn't know what what computer gaming is, so...
1: They're they're all the same. they're, They're all the same. They're all believe that they know everything and it takes it takes it takes years to work out shit i didn't know everything i actually get players come back to me now that played for me five ten years ago saying i have one the other week that said i od how the hell did you ever put up with me and i said you were an yeah. asshole i didn't i just had to enjoy you so yeah <laughs>
0: Uh, absolutely brilliant yeah and you know i you know as, as i'm also someone that used to think they knew everything and i feel like i've started to hopefully i feel like i've been through that change now but uh but certainly until you know a few years ago i, I always seemed to think that i had the answers uh, to everything but yeah, you know, young people, I think, are all always like, going to be like that. Uh, and it's just at what point that they, they, they make that decision or that conscious train of thought where they go, actually, this person doesn't know more than me.
1: Yeah, it's, and also, like, I'm very mindful of not ever teaching them how to play the game that they play, especially now when I'm not as good as I used to be. But there's a lot of similarities between every single game. That I can use my experience to help them win, make them think about things that they've never thought about. One of our call of duty coaches the other day, and he was like, he actually said, like, "Oh, I never looked at it like that." Yeah, but it's just the experience, but, and that's just the, the man management, like you said, it's so important. I, I could never be, even though I, I have managers that are supposed to deal with the players day to day. I could never not talk to players. I need to know what's going on, otherwise, I'd never. comfortable
0: have those connections with them
1: and yeah 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 i need to know what drives them what upsets them it's important
0: with flytro what we hope to achieve with the professional platform is consolidate a lot of different data and metrics all into this one platform that we're hoping that teams like yourselves will be able to look at and use and then react to in a way that then benefits the players. So yeah. we'd be looking at things like their sleep and their activity, their heart rate during games and certain situations. So not only can the sports psychologist come in and go over this period or this week, you were very stressed and this was the, the build up to this event, or this was post event, this is what your sleep was like, you'll be held to have coaches coming in and going, okay, this situation in this game was a very stressful period of the game for you and this is how we can start to moderate those stress levels throughout that period of a game in the the similar situations that you're going to be faced again in the future.
1: Yeah, I can't wait for that stuff. That's the data that doesn't exist yet and that's what I'm really interested in.
0: And we'll be able to look at those metrics using our data visualizations to analyze and fix player wellness do you think it's going to give you an advantage
1: uh for sure first people in doing this will have a a massive advantage straight away so it's like even like in-game stressful moments like if their heart rate goes up breathing goes up and you can measure that like is that breathing um does that affect the aim because it's moving the body more than it should the sleep definitely affects everything yeah that's a fact it's just got no proof and that's why i'm really interested in seeing this kind of stuff yeah good
0: well thank you for joining me on the podcast today and hopefully we'll have a follow-up when the ravens have claimed their first championship
1: thanks a lot